Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 7, Episode 24, Spring Breakdown. Mary, what happened this week? Brandon and Tracy meet up with Jim in Hong Kong. Just Jim, because Cindy had to go to London because Brenda has mono. While walking through a market, Tracy is drawn to an illustrated story. Oh my god, that's a pun. Sorry. I'm going to use the word I originally (laughs) had there. (laughs) Tracy is attracted to an illustrated story about a prince who can't decide between two princesses. Hmm, sound familiar? Jim and Brandon have a man-to-man talk over drinks about communism and Kelly, but Brandon continues to insist that whole thing is over, not the communism, the Kelly. Even if maybe he doesn't feel quite as strongly for Tracy as she does for him. So are you very, very surprised that we actually went to Hong Kong? I am not only surprised we went to Hong Kong, I am so surprised they did not break up in Hong Kong and have to spend a 16-hour flight sitting next to each other broken up on the way back. I mean, it seemed like we were teetering on that edge the entire time they were in the same area together because literally in in the very beginning, like when they're just like getting ready to go to Hong Kong and they're leaving the Walsh house, Brandon's so snippy with her. Well, and... Like, Tracy's doing her insecure thing of being like, and they know about me, right? Which, Mm -hmm. fair. Totally fair, since he literally did not tell them her name before they sent the ticket. Right. And, yeah, I just feel bad for Val having to stand there that whole time and just being like, cool, 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 cool. Have fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, she can tell the tension, obviously. And she's just trying to, like, be positive because she's like, oh, Jim and Cindy are great. Like, it's not them you have to worry about, basically. Yeah. She basically called them model parents and were like, they'll love you. And literally, like, every time something happened in this scene, you know, Tracy and Brandon would be bickering. I was like, they're going to break up and then have to spend this whole flight back next to each other. Mm-hmm. And then Val says that Jim and Cindy are great and they'll love her. And I was like, oh, God, Jim and Cindy aren't going to love her. That's a good point, too. Yeah, that would have been – I feel like – yeah, and spoiler alert, obviously, because Mary already said it, but, like, if Cindy was there, I feel like there would have been way more pressure and way more, like, small conversations with just Jim and Cindy, like, talking about whether or not they like Tracy or think he, she's good enough for Brandon or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because after the credits roll, you see special guest star James Eckhouse, but you don't see Cindy – on those credits and apparently Mm -hmm. she flew 15 hours to London to take care of Brenda with mono which is like okay sure you just tell us that yeah I mean because Dylan McKay can't like take care of a person I mean granted nothing against Brenda Walsh but I I cannot imagine her attitude when she's on mono uh, on mono (laughs) when she has mono (laughs) Because my husband, when he had mono at, like, 20, he was terrible, and he's such a sweet boy. 
I cannot imagine because mono lasts for a while, right? Like, yeah, that's an unpleasant one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I looked it up when they talked about Cindy flying to England to see Brenda. I was like, how long is that flight? Like, why are the Walshes just like literally ready to go halfway around the world for each other? I'm telling you because either they feel really guilty, which Jim alludes to a little bit later on, um, or Jim is making hella money and they're just like, well, I guess we got to use this somehow. I don't really want to deal with Brandon. And Jim's like, I don't really want to deal with Brenda. So they switch. They're they're basically parent trapping minus the parent trap and more just like splitting up the kid with the parent, you know? They were probably so excited that Brandon and Brenda are in different places. They can just be like, yes, we don't have to be overwhelmed by both of their drama. Exactly. But yeah, because we we get to Hong Kong, which was not as terribly represented as I was worried it was going to be. Yeah, like the music in the beginning in the beginning was like a little iffy, but at the same time, like the sets or the locations or whatever they chose to represent was not that bad. Yeah, I was honestly like fine with everything. It was the story that upset me. Mm, mm-hmm. Because, you know, Tracy and Brandon, they get to Casa Walsh East, which is the cutest thing that they could ever have put in this. Mm-hmm. And I guess Tracy says something in Mandarin before she goes to the room to, like, freshen up and unpack. And then Brandon immediately apologizes, like, she's an enthusiast. As Jim is making a face at her. Which, like, oh, excuse Tracy for being nervous about meeting her boyfriend's parents and wanting to make a good impression by assimilating to the country that she's visiting and that he's been in for a year or two now. Yeah, like, I think it's more annoying that you show up and insist that you're in the right and that how dare she learn how to say whatever she said. Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually unsure. I'm assuming it's Mandarin or something. Yeah, I mean, for all we know, she could be like w- just one of those travelers who very much very much likes to brush up on culture and knowledge and um language because she doesn't want to look like, I don't know, a stupid American. She buys the Rick Steves books. 100%. You know she does. She would download Duolingo so fast once she was able to. Oh yeah, I swear like Just because Brandon acts so annoyed with her all the time, I feel like she probably spent that 16-hour plane ride practicing her, like, Chinese and reading her Hong Kong guidebook and being like, oh, my God, did you know that in blah, 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 blah? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which I would love. Of course, because then you have a well-thought-out planned trip and not just like, oh, well, what do we do and put the entire burden on the person you're staying with? Yeah, and let's be honest, Cindy would have been the one planning the trip. Jim Mm -hmm. works all the time. Yeah, exactly. He's busy. It's not like he has, like, all this time to just plan. But yeah, it's funny, though, because they get in at, like, 7 a.m. Hong Kong time, and Tracy's, like, raring to go, and Jim's just like, slow your roll. It's still 7 a.m. here, so we need to just, like, hang out for a little bit. And then when she leaves – okay, so Jim and Brandon being together – I thought when Brandon turns to Jim and is just like, I'll buy a couple of beers later and I'll fill you in on everything, including Tracy, I thought Jim's 
like dad head was just gonna like explode <laughs> yeah it's like, he's probably never son. heard that before yeah from his precious baby boy he would have been so happy so <laughs> so happy and i don't know they kept doing jim and brandon and jim just kept spending the whole time being like why haven't you mentioned tracy here have some tea who's kelly dating do your Mm -hmm. friends like tracy does kelly like tracy well and for me like i was initially thinking like at what point are brandon and jim actually gonna get some alone time together because like tracy also made the very very long trip so why would she just want to go be alone but at the same time like you know She's an independent woman. She don't need no man or anybody else. Like, she can just go do what she wants. But, yeah, the fact that Jim was just so, like, in – he was very interested in not really what the other friends were doing, but the fact that, A, he didn't bring Kelly, and, B, what is she up to? And Mm. he later says, like, oh, you know, I know that you're still in love with her, or I know you still feel – I'm like, according to what? Like – He's yeah. literally here with another girl and talking about another girl. He didn't bring up Kelly. You did. Yeah, I know they email back and forth, but it seems pretty clear that they don't have a lot of conversations about, like, mm-hmm. personal stuff. If Brandon's like, I'll fill you in later, and then Jim asks if Brandon has post-graduation plans, which is three months away. Yeah, exactly. And Brandon's so, like, just like, don't worry about it. <laughs> hurt my heart as an older person. I was like, you have to have a plan. I know I didn't. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a job for like three months after graduation, but that's not the point. You would just think Brandon would of all people. I mean, Tracy even says it later. He has so many options. That's the thing is like, we know he's got options, but it's very unlike Brandon to like not have considered each one or like Maybe he's not quite the type to make a pro-con list, but he's at least, like, thought about it and given it thought. So the fact that he hasn't made a decision, maybe it's less about that he doesn't know what he's doing. It's just he doesn't want to tell people. Yeah, I think that's it. I think he just doesn't want to talk about it with other people. I mean, Mm -hmm. to be fair, last time he talked about his future prospects was with the Dreyer Foundation scholarship thing. And that blew up in his face. Mm-hmm. And of course, like to make things worse, as the day goes on when they are sightseeing, that's when we see this like fable or whatever about a prince torn between two princesses, because of course, and they have to make it on the nose and they can't just have already given us the breadcrumbs and expect us as an audience to pick it up. And of course, Tracy is like drawn to the story. And yes, I'm using the pun that Mary wanted to use earlier in her synopsis. <laughs> but Brandon just being, you know, classic Brandon is just like, so what happens? Because he can't make a decision. So he wants someone else to tell him what to do. And the man telling the story just says, oh, he drowns in his indecision. <laughs> I really think Brandon was deep down praying that this man would be like, oh, he went back to his first true love. Mm-hmm. He, he chose realized- door number one. <laughs> <laughs> he realized you do get second chances and third chances mm-hmm. with the girl from your childhood. Not the girl you've been seeing that you don't even want to tell your dad the name of. Gosh. And 
It's so on the nose. I mean, they really just they wanted to make sure that we flew 16 hours to the other side of the world to just have the exact same conversation. And it all be subtext, right? There that is like if I could have titled an episode, this episode in particular, I would have called it like spring subtext because this entire episode has storylines with just subtext in it. And this storyline and Kelly's storyline and Donna's storyline is just all subtext and nobody is actually talking about what they actually need to talk about. They're just dancing around it or in this case, reading a story around it. He really just wants to pretend everything is fine, even though he knows. I mean, they end up having dinner together, Tracy, Brandon, and Jim, and, like, again, talking about Brandon's future, but it turns into this whole, like, if you do what you love or if you're with someone you love, everything falls into place. And I was yep. just like, I'm surprised Brandon isn't, like, choking on his water. Right? Because they're both cliches. Like, because the only difference is that Brand- – or, sorry, Big Jumbo wants Brandon to find something you'll love doing – and the rest will fall into place. And then Tracy thinks that everything falls into place once you find someone you love. So it's a thing and a one. And yeah, I'm so surprised Brandon didn't just like gag at like, guys, you're so cliche. I need actual advice, not this. So what was your take on Brandon and Jim repeatedly bringing up the communist takeover of Hong Kong? I mean, I got to be honest, like, I don't have enough knowledge about the time, right? Mm-hmm. I don't I've not studied enough history to know the relevancy and and what it all meant. I kept thinking it was just more symbolism. You know, I was taking it more like it was people say things, you know, cuz Jim told to Brandon and Tracy that he thought it was fine and everything's going to work itself out. But then when it was just him and Brandon, he's like, "I'm scared." And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, Brandon's the same way probably about college and college ending. So if nothing else, it either made Brandon feel not, you know, alone, but also shows us that we need to actually talk about the way we feel rather than just saying everything's fine and then shoving our other feelings deep down. Okay. I like that. I did not pick that up, but I like the idea of like, the conversation they had when Tracy was there was a lot different than the conversation they had when she was gone later. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, they kept they brought it up at dinner and then they brought it up later at the bar where they were having beers together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is this just 90210 trying to be, like, with the current news? Or oh, I'm sure. Th- I mean, I think that's part of it, but I think a bigger part of it also has to do with, like, we can turn this into being a meaningful part of the story. Yeah, I think it was just, like, relevancy to they, – they didn't want it to just be another location, right? They mm-hmm. wanted to bring it bring it into the fold. Um, I don't know. I also just, like – it's the 2022 of me, or 2023, whatever year we're in now, of me to be like, why couldn't you, like, talk more about it when Tracy was pre- present, and you kind of just, like, waited till the women left so the men could talk, you know? Like, it, I don't know. That was just a gut reaction for me. Well, and I think that's part of it, too, is, like, 
it's so obvious that there's more to all of these conversations, Mm -hmm. but no one will say it when Tracy's around, including when Tracy directly asks Brandon about it, right? Right. Exactly. Because, yeah, like at the bar, you know, Jim is saying that Tracy cares about Brandon quite a bit and Brandon, you know, finally admits out loud to Jim that he does not care for Tracy as much as she cares for him. Yeah, and it's like we've all known that. Yeah, but then later on, like at the very end of the Hong Kong storyline, you know, Tracy wakes up early. She goes out because she gets that story. She like, Mm -hmm. you know, has jet lag. She couldn't stop thinking about it. And she says the story struck a chord and Brandon is just upset and just won't talk about it. Yeah, and like even when Tracy says it, she feels like what's going on between them is still healing. She can't just get over it in a second or with a pretty necklace, right? And she has real fears about being a placeholder. And quite frankly, in college, I don't blame her, you know, Mm -hmm. like especially as a senior and you're like worlds are about to change because you might be going in different directions. But I mean – you always wonder until you have somebody, and this is true for heterosexual relationships, homosexual relationships, all all other types of relationships, and it's true for both men and women. It's so common to have those insecurities of wondering whether or not you're the one or you're the one until the one comes along. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, that's how I felt. Like it was like junior, well, I guess more senior year. And I was like, where is this going? Even if it ended up being nowhere, I would have wanted to know. So for me, this was Tracy being like, yes, I'm kind of infatuated with you and blinded by all of your negative attitude right now. But I also really deep down want to know if this is going anywhere or if you value me enough to take it somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I think all of her feelings are incredibly valid. I mean, he keeps making the point of like, why would I bring her to Hong Kong if I wasn't serious about her? And the answer to that is you got backed into a corner and Jim paid for two tickets. Mm -hmm. But he's the only one that won't admit that. He keeps claiming it's because he cares for her so much. And then she's just like, I'm going to take those words because I love you. But I do think deep down that's not true. And I'm going to keep pushing at it, which is – seriously why I was concerned they were going to break up and just be sitting in silence for 16 hours next to each other, like begging to switch seats. Totally fair. I'm surprised they didn't. I honestly would not be surprised if they break up next episode and it's just like I couldn't do it in Hong Kong because I couldn't stand the flight on the way back. Yeah. And I would be fine if it just ended rather than there being like a thing that happens, Mm -hmm. right? Like we don't need – Brandon kissing Kelly. We don't need Kelly declaring her love for Brandon. We don't need anything except I don't feel the same way that you do. Mm -hmm. And that can be it. Yeah, exactly. And I I honestly really hope that's what it is. I think Mm -hmm. they're pointing to something more grand than that. But I mean, the last time Brandon and Kelly got together, like Kelly just broke up with Dylan. Like they broke up in a parking lot and then she just flew to dc true so i'd be fine if that kind of a thing happened again sure why not but that's not this week do you have anything else to say about hong kong 
Um, the only thing I had to say was, I don't know if you guys noticed, but when Jim and Brandon were at the bar. Jim does not know how to pour beer and it kept yes. changing. It was more like the terrible pour. Because you see Brandon clearly tilt his cup and slowly pour his beer. And Jim just like one hand keeps it on the thing and just pours it right in. And I'm like, God, I don't know when people started understanding how to correctly pour a beer. But I do feel like it's a generational thing because I had to teach my dad. No, dad, take it slow and tilt your cup. (laughs) It's just like soda, but not. Like, yeah, yeah. I noticed Jim had like over an inch of foam and then the camera cut to the other side of him and all the foam was gone. Oh, that's so funny. I wouldn't have noticed it if I didn't see all the foam in the first place. But I was right. As soon as the foam was there, I was like, you can't manage that. (laughs) Yeah. That is impossible. (laughs) Oh, man. Mary, what else happened this week? Dr. Dad is recovering very well, and Donna is thrilled when Dr. Dad's doctor gives him the okay to go home, except Felice has plans to send him to a rehab facility for extended care as he continues to regain function in the right side of his body. Donna insists that having Dad at home will be much better for him and enlists David in extensive research on stroke recovery. Even when Felice explains that she cannot handle the amount of constant care that Dr. Dad will need on her own, Donna doesn't back down until she gets her way. And there's the St. Donna that I just really don't care for. Totally. Especially when it comes to her being a 22-year-old girl and her mom not. (laughs) And, like, she refuses to consider the other side of the conversation, just insists that what she's going to do is right, and at the end of the episode, everyone thanks her and says that she's amazing when, like, I don't think she actually made anybody's life better in this moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're, they're going to have to make these major changes to their house. Felice is going to have to completely change her life to take care of him in mm-hmm. a way that she's not equipped to do. Like, it's – I understand that, like, you know, when you love someone, you do things for them. Like, that's sure what it is. She's not a nurse, though. Like, hmm I just feel like when he's just had his stroke and he lost partial use of his right arm and right leg and he doesn't have his short-term memory, he needs professional round-the-clock care and probably a team, not just an in-home nurse that they're going to have to pay, who literally cannot be on him 24-7. Yeah, and along those lines, I actually think it was – Let's be real. We all hate Felice. She's the worst. Yes. She's terrible. But this was the first time, I think, that I thought she was a lot more humanized because I thought it was much better that she was okay and willing to admit she needed help and to admit something that is conflicting, right? It's like, I want to help my husband. I want him to get better. But I also don't want this all to fall on me. Like Mm -hmm. selfishly, this is a lot and I can't do it. And I'm also scared because he's my rock. I'm not used to being the rock. I think there's such a beauty and kind of just a – I don't know. I keep going back to just the word human. It's just this human notion of being able to admit when you don't have a a, a great feeling – 
and when you need help, you know, and when we're, when you're scared. And the fact that Donna was just like, no, mom, you got this. You're the best. You're so strong. You can handle anything. I'm like, yes, those things are true. But you realize what she's doing here. She's reaching out and admitting something she's not going to admit to everybody. Yeah, I I feel like I like when Donna is cheerleader Donna, when it's like at a certain level of something. But like Felice admitting that she is scared that something is going to happen to her partially paralyzed short-term memory loss husband when she's alone with him that she won't be able to fix. And Donna's just like, no, you can do it. I was like, okay, but maybe empathize with her and say like, yeah, that could happen. And we're going to, you know, take the steps together to figure that out. You are not alone in this time. We're going to get a nurse. We're going to make sure that the house is equipped. Like, not just, you can do it. And also, Donna keeping, like, I'll be over as much as possible. Like, I know Donna will. She'll go over, like, at least four times a week kind of a thing. But she's also 22 and is going to need to get a job and graduate college and, like, you're just not going to be there as often as you want to. Yeah. And she's going to realize just like any person, doesn't matter what age, just like any person would like, oh God, this is hard and I don't want to always do this. So she's going to want to peel away, not just because it's hard, but to take care of herself and, and all of that. And yeah, I just, I agree with you. I really do enjoy cheerleader Donna because I do think she inspires a lot. But sometimes, like, there's a line between inspiring and just words, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no action. And, yeah, it was – it felt more like winning the argument than making a difference in her dad's life. Yeah, because, you know, Felice wants to put him in that facility, which, like, she's not, like, just putting him in a home and forgetting about him. Like, this is right. not some nefarious thing, which – you know, there was a part of me that jumped to that conclusion as soon as Felice showed up. I will admit sure. it. But yeah, Donna just insists that what she wants is right, you know, goes behind her mom to talk to her dad, talks her dad out of wanting to go get professional care. Mm-hmm. And then after David gets all of that stuff and goes to see, you know, the support groups and get some advice, which David was amazing in this episode. Right? Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but he makes her sit down and put her hand behind her back and gives her a snapple and just says, open it. And she's just like, I'll help him. It doesn't matter. She, re- she doesn't even acknowledge that it is like impossible to do with one hand. She's yeah. just like, he I doesn't think, need to. I think that was an awesome moment from the writers to show that side. Not to say like, you're wrong, Donna, but just let's just take a look at what it might be like. Um, you know, because I know even growing up with me and and my sister having a a physical disability where she didn't have great use of her right hand, basic things like that, that you and I overlook constantly is very, very difficult. And it really is retraining your brain and your muscles and sometimes physically just being incapable to do these basic tasks like opening a soda or, peeling an orange or peeling a banana or even just using a zipper you know like in most cases zippers you need two hands because you got to hold down part of it so Mm. I loved that moment and I also love that David 
David has been great the last few episodes, but especially when he didn't immediately like get mad at Donna or be like, no, Donna, you're wrong. Like, you know, it's going to be hard. He went out, he supported her. He did what she asked, got information and research, and then showed her why it was important. Right. Mm -hmm. Not to point out that she was wrong, but just be like, hang on, we need to look at this from this other angle. And I loved that. That was great. Yeah. And, you know, going off of that, like when he does point all this out to her and she's just like, no, we'll help him. It doesn't matter that I can't open a Snapple with only one hand. I'll open the Snapple for him. I love that David makes the point of like, but you shouldn't have to. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it's that same thing. Like, yes, you want to do the things for your people because, you know, they need the temporary help or like it's just – some things are not designed for people who only have use of one limb. Right. But I love right. David being like, you shouldn't have to take the burden on when like there are professionals that can help you with it. And then, you know, you and your dad don't have to change your relationship where you're the caretaker now instead of him, because that always is so hard. Oh, a hundred percent. And especially not when there are other people like Felice and like, you know, uh, healthcare professionals that, can take on that role and should take on that role. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. it made it convinced me like even more in that next scene where like Donna convinces or like Donna and David have brought those things to outfit the house to show Dr. Dad and just be like, hey, you know, you can do this. Look at all these great things. It'll help you modify. But when Donna gets mad that Dr. Dad sided with Felice, even though there are no sides because it's ultimately what's best for Dr. Dad. The fact that she got so mad about thinking that Felice manipulated Dr. Dad into, you know, going to that rehab facility. That's when I knew it's not really about Dr. Dad's safety, right? It's about Mm -hmm. Donna still being angry with Felice on pretty much anything and wanting this to be a time where she could win instead of Felice. Oh, yeah. I mean, gosh, they have such a uncomfortable relationship, the three of yeah. them in a family. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. Like, and I hate to see it. I know it exists in the world. I just, I hate yeah. to see it in front of me, right? Yeah. And that's that's also where he's saying he, like, he wants to go to the facility. It's not Felice manipulating him to do it and he says like I'm not a burden and I have no intention of becoming one Mm, mm -hmm. like literally that's it like he doesn't want you peeling his oranges for him he wants to go to the rehab facility and have people either give him pre-peeled oranges or like work with him to get his dexterity back so he can peel his orange 100% and that's the thing like Donna is also jumping to this conclusion that this rehab facility is like you mentioned earlier like some sort of home where you just like set and forget it right no Mm -hmm. it's maybe there's a negative connotation with rehab facility but it really is just like uh, physical and occupational therapy you know it's literally to work on your brain and work on your muscles so that you have the mind muscle connection to be able to do the things you once used to do before you had a stroke which is literally like Felice can't do that I don't yeah. know what Felice went to college for, but I don't think she has – I don't think she's a doctor. Yeah. I don't think she's a physical therapist. 
And Donna is not pre-med, so. Maybe Donna should go be pre-med. Maybe Donna should go into (laughs) physical therapy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of that, like, Donna wanting to win the argument. I mean, that next scene is where Felice is in Dr. Dad's hotel room. Hotel room. I did write hotel, not hospital. <laughs> it's it's when Felice is in the hospital room and he's getting x-rays done and she gets like real vulnerable with Donna and Donna's just like, no, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and she wins. I mean, yeah, that's, she wins. That's the whole thing of it is we get to the end of this story and she has set up a – pretty sad looking room for her dad like I gotta say the twin bed as like a 50 plus year old man I'd be like I should at least get something bigger than this a full size Mm -hmm. bed yeah and then they're all like oh my god we're so proud of you you did the greatest thing in the world by putting some prisms up into his window yeah like even Felice had something positive to say which I was like is she on drugs like (laughs) that is so not like like her also, they brought him home before the house is ready. Like, they said that the, like, in-home care would come, I think, next week to finish setting it up. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. so what? He's just going to suffer for a week? I know. I don't I, – I'm so conflicted about it because I get why, you know, she thinks him being in his home is going to be better for him. I really do. And, like, yeah. I know being in a hospital and an extended stay, like, facility – can get sad just because like that's not your place but Mm -hmm. I also really just feel like having that whole team of medical support for him would have been really good yeah and like I don't want this whole episode episode to be us like talking bad about Donna because like Mm -hmm. y'all know we love 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 Donna it's just and it's not even that this behavior was out of character for her it absolutely was it was very much in her realm of personality to cheer on Felice and convince everyone that, oh, you can do it. You're the best. Everything is great. It's just that she shouldn't be the one making the decision. And so, you know, I'm just a little baffled at how she ended up, quote unquote, winning, you know? Yeah. And I really can't get over your, it's not about being right. It's about making a point and winning the argument. Or it's, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's your yeah. Uh, don't make a point, make a difference. Yeah, that's like I can't get past that because that's really just what it feels like. Which, with everything going on with Donna and David and Felice, and like, I get it. I get why this happened this way, and I don't want to attack Donna. I just, I love Doctor Dad, and I want what's best for him, and I don't know that answer. Yeah, same. And we're 32-year-old women who still don't know if we should be making this decision. Like, let's let the doctors make this decision. (laughs) Exactly. I just – I need Dr. Dad to make 100% full recovery by next week and just be like, oh, my God, it's magical. Look at me. (laughs) Pretend it never happened. Right? Like, I finally got that break that I so badly needed, and look what it did for me. I'm perfect. I'm retired. I'm going to go play golf and sit on my boat, the Falana, forever. <laughs> oh, gosh. Mary, what else happened this week? Alan and Val struggle for the upper hand in their influence over Rob, 
Val comes out on top only to stumble into a new career opportunity she's not sure she's ready for. I have a lot of opinions about this stupid little story. Yeah, let's let's dive in. Um, specifically, let's go ahead and, and lay this thing out just like Rob's mattresses on the floor. I, I love it. Like, this is so early 20s that he bought a house <laughs> and then just never got furniture. But also that his mattress is in front, like right in front of his front door. And very close to the fireplace because. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, can we talk about how hilarious it is that he has no furniture and he builds things? <laughs> he, he just he, like super ADD and gets started on a bed frame and then just like, oh, crap, I also need to make a coffee table. Oh, my God. Have I made the night stands yet? Wait, I don't even have a bed. I need to go back to the bed frame. <laughs> I swear he should have built Val a bed frame instead of a mirror. Yes. Yeah. The problem was she got mad at him, so he dropped everything to make her that incredibly ornate mirror, and now they just spend all their time banging. True. Yes, they do. With, like, let's be honest, like, people that hot should. Yeah. <laughs> Except when she has to work. I loved that he was like, let's not go to the party. Let's stay in bed. And she's like, I like you, but not that much. Right? Like, she is so not afraid to say what she wants at all times with this boy. And I don't know that she has felt that way with Kenny, Dylan, Colin, whoever at this point. So I am all for a confident, outspoken you fulfill whatever your heart's desire, Valerie. Yeah. What's wild is I feel like she's finally actually in the position of power that she's wanted in a relationship. Yeah. And weirdly, it does not blow up in her face in this episode, and I am shocked. Yet. <laughs> in this episode, it does not, but that's true. very true. It could happen quite soon because – yeah. They're in bed, and Alan calls her to be like, you're bringing Rob to the party, right? We're partners. And the whole time I was like, gosh, I hope her volume is not so loud that Rob, who is right next to her ear, is mm -hmm. not just like, I'm sorry. What was that? Yeah, is that my manager, Alan? <laughs> but that's not what happens. He makes a comment like – Alan tells Val they're partners. She has to get Rob to this party. She hangs up, gets out of bed, and it's like, Rob, you have to get out of bed. He makes a joke about her cracking the whip and owning a piece of him, and she's like, don't you ever say that to me again. It's like, but girl, he's right. Like, I literally wrote in parentheses, maybe he's not so dumb. Because he, I like, the, reason, the whole reason he even says it is because, like, suddenly Val's like, oh, I'll help you practice your interviews. And he's like, hold on, what? Why? <laughs> I hoped. I was like, okay, maybe he picked it up, but no. No. He immediately apologizes and just is like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I would never say that. It wasn't funny. It just is so it's it's just so Valerie to double down, you know, and be like, don't you ever say and like with a serious face, but meanwhile, it's like she's absolutely doing that. She's absolutely doing that. The scene, the next scene with them where that limo is outside, first of all, what a beautiful necklace Valerie was wearing. Holy bazoongas. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I 
she came out to play but why was the walk to the limo silent there was no music there was no sound it was literally like we're like and action <laughs> hey guys this is heather <laughs> like that long of silence <laughs> I have no answers. I mean, my best guess is they hadn't intended to leave it that long. And then we're like, it looks weird that they <laughs> shut the door and then are immediately at the limo. So we have to show them walking. Should we put music behind it? We don't have any more money in the budget. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get stripped in 30 years by streaming services anyway. <laughs> What's a streaming service? Don't worry about it. Oh, man. I just, the Heather of it all. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, if we thought Rob was a big dumb hottie. Heather's Heather, not smart. Heather is his counterpart, but perhaps even more gullible than he is. Like, she just stands there the whole time. As Alan is, like, kind of shitting on her while she's there. And just, like, I'm pretty sure they all use Val's name in this moment. Mm-hmm. And then when they get to the party at the pee pad, which is in the middle of the day, mm-hmm. I was a little shocked by that because, like, Alan wants Rob to take Heather and, like, walk in together and it would be weird if Val's in the limo with them, even though she owns the club and you could write that off. Like, Yeah, true. Instead, Rob and Heather get in the limo and then Alan and Valerie go separately. She, like, just drives to work. Yeah, that was weird that, like – the limo just drives – I was like, did they forget Alan? <laughs> I, when he got out, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. does Val have to drive him? Right. Like, what was the plan? I, eh, yeah. I don't know. But they get to the party and, you know, Rob and Heather get there first because they drove up first and they get to pull mm-hmm. right up to the door. And Rob goes to introduce Heather to Kelly and Claire and Steve and is like, these are Valerie's friends. And Heather goes, who's Valerie? <laughs> Girl, you just met her. Poor thing. And then, of course, like, you know, we'll get to why Kelly was in a bad mood. But, like, literally, as soon as she sees Heather, she's like, oh, my God, what a great party. (laughs) I loved it when she was just like, oh, yeah, Heather, she's real great. God. Yeah. Spoiler alert. This is absolutely my my quote of the week. When, uh, like... Right after Rob and Heather walk away and Val is right there and Kelly's like, nice, that's a nice dress or something about Heather's. And Valerie says, yeah, it looks a lot like the one Tracy took to Hong Kong. And then Kelly goes, ouch. (laughs) Like, why aren't we having just an entire episode of scenes with Val and Kelly? Why? It's all I want. And I swear, they had to have known. Someone had to be giving feedback with their, like, Nielsen ratings or in a, you know, focus group or something of, like, this is perfect. The chemistry (laughs) between these two actresses is off the charts. Like, oh, man. Rob is hot, but he's a piece of cardboard. I don't care. (laughs) So true. Ugh. But, yeah, and then, like, even later on, like – Rob's doing one of his interviews and Heather is just like entranced by his good looks. He's like, he's a dish, which I need to bring that back. <laughs> like, that, that's a girl. Like, I mean, think about it. Dish is like the precursor to snack, right? Oh, yeah. And the whole meal or whatever. 
the dish is perfect. <laughs> I just love, I don't remember what name Val uses, but Val is just like, oh, by the way, someone wants to meet you, not here, and just pushes her out of the club. It's Cameron Crowe. She says Cameron Crowe. I didn't even realize Cameron Crowe was that big at this point in time. But she's like, oh, I love his movies. I'm like, girl, me too. <laughs> I just, I loved Except it so Aloha. much. Aloha was terrible. Oh, I haven't seen it and I won't. Don't. But yeah, she literally just like shovels her out at the door. Like it's suddenly we're in an I Love Lucy episode and just like shoves her in the limo. It's like, bye-bye. And then <laughs> pays the driver like, take her far, far away. Don't let her see outside. Like, what is this? <laughs> I know. She's like, get stuck in traffic. And then later... <laughs> She goes to Alan and is like, where's Heather? And he's like, she's not back yet. <laughs> they all know. <laughs> I know. Poor Heather. Oh, my God. I do. I do love how it all ends up playing out. Because, like, you know, now that Heather's gone, Rob comes over to apologize to Val for everything that happened with Heather. Like, any of it is his fault. Like, it's actually kind of like low-key emotionally abusive how Robin Bell's relationship is going mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I wish he wasn't dumb as a bag of rocks I know poor guy but like I don't know I guess he realizes that Alan is the problem here and wants Alan to apologize to Val at which point Alan is like okay did she tell you I paid her 10 grand and he's like, what? But then later doesn't care? <laughs> it was amazing that Hal was like, I was going to tell you, but I wanted you to see he was a snake. I was like, girl, what did you do to prove that? You know what would have proved that? A check. Right? Show him the check that you have not cashed. Like, don't just like take the check, go cash it, and then pretend like there's no check. And then when you, he finds out there's a check, you tell them there's a check, but it was all part of your plan. I was going to tell you, it's it's in my bank account right now, but I can show you. Like, yeah. Girl, I do love that Alan went like full scorched earth. He was like, oh, you're mad at me? I'm out. I don't want to deal with yeah. this anymore. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess like props to Rob for just being like, okay, you're fired because obviously you're kind of a dirtbag. I still don't know about you, Val, and I'm mad, so I'm not going to do anything yet. But at least yeah. you got mad, you know? Yeah, I love that Val's like, I want to explain it. And he goes, I'm sure you do. Mm -hmm. And then just doesn't let her. Like, I thought that's how it was going to play out. And I was happy yeah. for him. I was like, yes, this is how you should respond to this. Fire him, break up with her, leave her club, don't come back. But of course, because this is a, a drama, um, we get a second chance for Val because she like – brings him a, a rose for some reason like he's on the bachelor I, I wrote in my notes that she should have brought him a hammer oh my gosh or like a circular saw <laughs> bring him something that appeals to his interests bring him like a two by four right just just a single block of wood <laughs> i thought you could whittle this here, Rob, I bought you a set of Lincoln logs, like, so you can try to build something since you're clearly not going to build a bed. <laughs> this is, that's so you can model your bed and then build your bed. Sure. We, yeah, the reason he hasn't built anything is he just needs to model it first and he has no way of modeling. <laughs> the problem is if she buys him Lincoln logs, all of a sudden his house is going to look like a log cabin. 
Oh my god, he's gonna tear down that house except for the mattress. <laughs> the house just slowly starts transforming into a cabin around him. <laughs> oh my god. Every, every time we go, there's just more exposed wood. <laughs> but okay. She insists that she didn't violate Rob's trust when she took money to manipulate him to do something he didn't want to do. Yeah. Or he did want to do until she told him he didn't want to do it. Then she told him he did want to do it. So he changed his mind and decided to do it. And like, just because you have, I mean, and again, questionable if she actually did have his best interests at heart, even if you do, it can still be a violation of trust. If you then pursue something that that person doesn't want to do or doesn't know he wants, doesn't want to do like the, the issue is not, whether or not your intentions were pure, it was the fact that you lied about it and were not honest. Yeah. You did something without that person's like express mm-hmm. like con- consent and participation. Yeah. Participation is the one I want. Yeah. Involvement. Like, which I mean, obviously, we all know that it's just part of Valerie's plans to like get power and control and things like that. That's just what she always wants. And therefore, Rob like is like, okay, well, cool. Then I still need a manager. You're pretty good at this whole thing, so you want to be my manager? And she's like, oh, Rob, I don't know much about the managing business. What even is it? Sure, I'll do it. And like, when? <laughs> yeah. She runs a club and still hasn't graduated college. I think what it is is, like, her senior project for her business course is to, like, do some sort of practicum, right? Like, a real-world experience. And so she's like, hmm, I need a topic. This probably don't – this probably doesn't really need to be this detailed, but maybe I'll go manage a movie star. Let's try that. And then it just happens. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to get an A for sure. I just – I can't get over it. I know, I think it was early last semester, they had her at school just to be like, yeah, they're letting me take credit for running the P-pad as part of my college course credit, so I just don't have to go to class as much. But, like, she does still have to graduate. Like, she has to turn something in. Exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know when she's going to have three jobs, but apparently Rob figures since she was already getting paid to make his decisions for him he might as well cut out the middleman because <laughs> he's smart <laughs> i feel so bad he's just he's just a big dummy but like gotta hand it to val she's just like constantly maloning people for her own personal gain and it works i don't know how she does it and if i knew someone <laughs> like this in real life i would hate her so much but she is so perfect for soap opera television. Right? I cannot be mad. It's like you can't hate it. You just got to respect it. It's like don't hate the player, hate the game. Like how is she so good at this game? <laughs> yeah. She's very like, it's not my fault I'm so popular. Right. <laughs> exactly. I just – I can't get over it. I can't wait to see how badly she messes up being a manager. Well, we've proven that she can also fail up just like Steve. So That's very true. I mean I will not count her out. She literally just got ten thousand dollars for doing very little work. Oh, she's gonna cash that check if she hasn't already pronto. 
I feel so confident she already cashed it. I will be shocked if it ever comes up again uncashed. True. I think my favorite part of that was just like, of course I accepted this $10,000. We both know you weren't going to do that movie. (laughs) It's like, I didn't need the $10,000 twin over there. I just wanted this one and to prove to you that that guy's a scumbag. I mean, would we rather have $10,000 or no $1,000? (laughs) <laughs> the choice is obvious. <laughs> I love Val's brain. <laughs> I love it so much. So I complex. mean, it's perfect. She just keeps getting money. And she's probably also thinking like, I had to give back the last $10,000 check. I'm not giving this one back. That's true. Good point. It's very true. Anyway, Mary, what else happened this week? Kelly obsesses over fixing a junky old rocking chair, a metaphor for her relationship with Brandon. Claire wants to help Kelly get over being sad about Brandon taking Tracy to Hong Kong, and Steve helps by smashing Kelly's project with his butt. Thanks, Claire. Bringing Kelly out in public to get sad drunk with a stranger was a super great idea, especially when the night ended in a freakout over Kelly losing her would-be engagement ring. Steve finds the ring and advises Kelly to hide it from herself so she doesn't keep making herself sad. Truly, my favorite part of this story was Claire being like, you're so sad over your ex-boyfriend dating someone else. Come be a third wheel with me and my boyfriend. Right? Like, like, how would that be fun? At least invite, like, well, I guess I don't have any other girlfriends that were available at the time. But... It's just not a good idea. How about they have a nice night in? I don't know. How about Steve goes with some of his keg brothers and like they just don't hang out that night. It's just Kelly and Claire. That's a good point too. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah, but no. Kelly's going to obsess about a chair and cling. The, The amount of times that she just like grabs at her engagement ring necklace and Claire is just not like, What is that necklace you've been grabbing at? Every time I say Brandon, you grab the necklace. Right? And like, why does it have a giant diamond on it? Like, this is not just some random ring. It's an engagement ring. Yeah. And she's only been wearing it recently, very publicly. Like, this is not like a memento from somebody else. This Mm -hmm. is a relatively new looking ring. And you know, if it was like not an engagement ring, but a new necklace with a ring attached to it that she was really fond of, she would have told Claire and Donna about it she would have been like look at this cute necklace I got yeah or like look at this ring it doesn't fit my finger so I'm wearing it as a necklace like yeah but she's none of that she just like grabs at it while Claire is right there and nobody says anything yeah and she's just like sitting there mumbling about like make it what it was before I do (laughs) really love that Steve just like he kicks it and it rocks he's like oh cool and then just (laughs) breaks it He's literally like a child who, like, Claire would be like, honey, I'll be out in a second. Just, okay. And Steve's just like, hmm, what am I going to do for 10 seconds? <laughs> he really is a child. He cannot be left alone. I mean, we've proven that. If anyone was going to be a leash kid, it should be Steve. Oh, like, my God. 100%. Just sit there quietly. <laughs> I set something on fire. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, can't, won't. <laughs> I just, like, I don't know. They put Steve in this story for 
very little purpose. Like there, mm-hmm. anything he did, Claire could have done. Yeah. Other than break the chair. But like, honestly, uh, might have been as funny if the chair just like fell apart. Like she was like, no, I'm going to get more sandpaper, touches it, and it just completely collapses. Right. Or they're just like staring at it, the three of them, and then it just combusts. Like, you know, like it just <laughs> falls apart, like just looking at it. But apparently like the fact, the simple fact that it broke apart, Kelly wasn't thinking – this is my next chance to fix it again. She's like, oh, no, I guess I got to go out with you guys after all. Yeah, because now that the chair's broke, Steve's like, okay, well, you're not repairing that, so you should come with us. And she's mm-hmm. just like, okay, I'll go get dressed. Yeah, I can't argue with logic like that. And then she goes to the club in the middle of the day, I will remind everyone, <laughs> and proceeds to just get wasted. On red wine, no less. <laughs> and, like, she keeps smiling and she does not have red wine teeth. Like, but that guy who came up to hit on her with the great oh cheekbones. Yes. All I noticed about him was he had cheekbones. Like, his name is Pete and he has good cheekbones. <laughs> have we met before? Yeah, in your dreams. <laughs> I do love that she comes up to him later and he's like, in my nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Like, way to go, Pete, for, like, remembering that and thinking of a comeback, you know, just in case. <laughs> but she's just like, no, I'm hot. Let's hang out. And he's like, okay, I forgive you. He's like, fair. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> I mean, literally, like, his whole plan is that they're just going to hang out all day, go bang it out, and then he's never going to see her again. Well, actually, he does ask for her last name later. Yeah, like, that's actually Kelly's plan. Pete's plan is, like, maybe actually, like, see, you know, at least know who this person is. Yeah. No, Kelly's old plan is to just sit with him and get drunk and then question marks, question marks, question marks, go home and never think about it again. Yeah, like, TBD. And the drunker she gets, the more just Claire's like, okay, this backfired. We got to get her home. And yeah, Kelly's just like, no, nah, I'm just like flirting and I'm having a good time. And obviously, like, it is smart, regardless if Kelly is flirting and having a good time, it is smart of Claire to be like, okay, I need to keep my eye, eye on the situation because if, she, you know, we need to make sure everything's on the up and up. Yeah. Well, and like, yeah, Kelly's, we don't know who Pete is. We have no idea. Mm-hmm. Who invited him? How he got in? What's going on? I think at one point, like, Steve even tries to leave and Claire's just like, no, we got to stay. But, oh, yeah. I found it very uh, interesting that when he tries to kiss her and she loses her ring, which is a very obviously around her neck giant diamond ring and it falls off of her and she's like oh my god my ring he's like oh my god you're so weird bye because she's looking for her piece of jewelry that just came off her neck because you were trying to like move in yeah is that weird they're at a fancy hollywood party of course she has expensive jewelry yeah just he's just like oh my god this is so weird she just she dropped something very expensive and freaked out who does that I didn't love Steve being the one to find it, though. That's what I mean. Like, 
we don't need him. Claire could have done this. Yeah. Like, it, it felt too you need a man to save you kind of situation. And, and yeah. It felt like they did it because, you know, Steve has spent a lot of time being like, oh, Kelly was my first love. I still really care about her. We're still friends. Da, da, da. But, like, I don't know. I feel like these two probably shouldn't be friends, especially considering the whole thing he did back in high school at ruining her reputation. And she forgave mm-hmm. him. And I remember that. But I remember. <laughs> I can't forget. Yeah. But I guess, like, on the bright side, you know, like, the, you know, I guess they go home. I'm not entirely sure what, like, time of day this is. Maybe it's morning. Kelly That's was what sleeping. I'm assuming. Yeah. Because, like, Kelly was sleeping, and then she wakes up, and Steve, like, wants to talk about the ring because he's like, hold on. This feels like a more important ring than just a regular ring. But then he, like, realizes what it is and is like, you need to give up on old Brandon. And, like, why did you do this? And she tells him, and she's honest with him, which is a good thing. But he's just like, you should probably not show this to anyone else. This is kind of embarrassing. And she does. Like, if this show wasn't so obviously Brandon and Kelly are endgame, this is, like, pretty not okay behavior. Oh, yeah. It's like in um, and I Met Your Mother, they do this like Dobbler or Dahmer scale of like, if you're interested in somebody and they're interested in you too, then sometimes the things that you do do not come off as creepy. They come off more like Lloyd Dobbler and say anything. Mm-hmm. But if one party is not interested in you and you do something, you look more like a stalker or like Jeffrey Dahmer. And in, in my opinion... Even though they feel the same way about each other, this behavior from Kelly is more stalkerish and like keepsakey. Yeah. Like I'm gonna hold on to this, like you know, bordering on like I'm gonna keep a shirt or your hair or something weird, you know? Yeah i I've heard it on other podcasts called the Buscemi test, where if mm. like somebody looks like Brad Pitt did it, it's a lot different mm. than if somebody who looks like Steve Buscemi did it. That makes sense. Yep. True, she can get away with it because she's hot. Yeah, exactly. Like, not okay behavior. And thankfully, like, I think she realizes it from before she did it, but now, like, people actually know she did it. So she's, like, embarrassed enough to do something about it. And she tells Steve, she's like, please don't tell Brandon. And then after he asks her to put it out of sight, she does go, like, reach into the back of her, like, armoire and bring out her keepsake box and put it in there mm-hmm. yep so at least it's back there at least I, for now I, I still think we should return it again yes agreed bring back brandon and old man makeup <laughs> please please i need I to see die. it one more time <laughs> I die but that's it, but, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, truly, nothing happened. Yeah, it, it wasn't a very eventful episode. I mean, I guess the only plot forward moving things were Val's a celebrity manager now, and Tracy and Brandon have not broken up yet, and Kelly is trying to move on from Brandon. That's 
plot, I guess. <laughs> and Dr. Dad is home. I'm assuming that's going to keep being a thing and Felice yeah. is going to maybe in the future like David for being so helpful, even though that like actually didn't progress in this episode. I would like to see that for sure. Same. Um, okay. So we know what your actual quote of the week is. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I have any like other contenders outside of that. I had one other one. So. Go on. Okay. It was. Or Mary, do you have a guess? Yeah. Do you have any? I have a stupid thing. Um, <laughs> Love it. So after um, Brandon and Tracy hear the story, um, Brandon just says, come on, let's go over there. <laughs> yeah. Let's go over there. He also does something later on, too, when they, like, he tries to convince her that she's not a placeholder. He was like, let's go get dim sum or something else. <laughs> when he said that, all I could think of was, like, he said dim sum and Emily Valentine just flashed in his head. Mmm. Ah, oh, yes. He was just like, I take it back. I can't, I can't eat dim sum. <laughs> or something else. <laughs> Anything else. Yeah. No, I actually, the only quote I wrote was, honey, I like you, but not that much, when Val refuses to skip work. Val had some good ones. Oh, Oh, also also when Heather went, who's Valerie? (laughs) Just because it's so dumb. I had a dumb Steve quote of him trying to convince Kelly to go to the party. Just, open bar, lots of guys, spandex. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, he did say spandex. Like, what, who is that? Four. <laughs> this is a Steve party. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I did. I did not look for spandex at the party, but I can't imagine, as a woman going to a fancy Hollywood party, that if any man showed up in spandex, I'd be like, "Yep, that's who I want to go home with. <laughs> He's the one." <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I think the only other one that I really liked was when Alan and Val were like going back and forth about, um, and and Rob was there, and they he learns of the money and stuff. Um, And when (laughs) when Rob's like, "You owe Valerie an apology," he's like, "I'm sorry, I was a snake. At least you can see me slithering across the room. This one, she'll cut your heart out and make you think she's doing you a favor." Which that should be her logline for like her character description. <laughs> That's like going to be her epitaph. Yes. Seriously, like that is probably like her character study. Mhm. Mary, what about you? Did you have a moment of the week? Um so I definitely want to call out this um episode's use of metaphors. Oh my god. With um yes. the story in Hong Kong and uh kelly's chair and i guess i could like extend that to um also include the little prisms that donna hung up in the window because her life is always going to be rainbows yep agreed god that is so apt for her Mm -hmm. i also think it's like a good metaphor i mean it literally does this so it's not necessarily a metaphor but like to your point about the whole rainbows things, it's also a way to let light in. And it's like Donna's way of like letting herself in because she's always like such a light and, you know, 
bright character or whatever and that personality like she believes that her light bright positive personality is what can fix things when sometimes it just can't there was so much more meaning in those prisms than I got out of them (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh um okay so what's next week will it still be rainbows and lightness I don't know let's find out we have Season 7, episode 25, Heaven Sent. And Sent is spelled S-C-E-N-T. <laughs> Mary's, I wish you guys could have seen Mary's face. She's like, what? <laughs> Before you spelled it, I was like, okay, yeah, Heaven Sent. Donna's an angel on Earth. Right. But perhaps. Spelling not. it. Mm-hmm. She's an angel on earth and smells good. (laughs) The first thing that Val gets Rob is a perfume commercial. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. All right. Well, we'll find out who smells a certain way next week. And until then, you can follow us on Instagram mostly at back to podcast. You can also send us over an email with anything you want to say at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All of that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community. And we would really appreciate it so we can give you all a better product. If you leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout-out on the show. And until next week... From all of us at Back to Podcast, I have to go drown in my own indecision. I'm going to go buy Rob some Lincoln Logs so he can start working on an actual project. And I'm going to fly several thousand miles for some Papa Walsh wisdom. Bye. Bye. See ya.